0: Before we start today's podcast, The Truth About Ageing wish to acknowledge that this episode has been recorded on the traditional lands of the Ghana people. We pay our deepest respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge the Ghana people as the custodians of the Adelaide region and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to the living Ghana people today. Everyone and welcome to the Truth About Aging podcast. I'm your host, Kate Helmore. Each week, we'll be unpacking your questions about the aged care sector, discussing how to age well, grow old, and make informed decisions. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode fifty of the Truth About Aging podcast. It feels a bit weird saying fifty. I just, it feels like a lot, but I guess it has been a lot. So (laughs) that kind of makes sense. How are we all? I hope you're all having a beautiful week wherever you are. Nothing too eventful in my life to report, except that we have been, touch wood, healthy for the best part of a few weeks now, and it feels good. I have a happy, healthy baby back. And gosh, life is easier when you're a bit better rested and not sick. So today is part two of my chat with Joe. If you haven't already listened to part one, jump back to episode 49. We're talking all things grief and bereavement. I have had some excellent feedback from part one already, and I can see there's quite a few downloads ticking through on that one as well. So I'm sure you will all enjoy part two of our chat. In today's episode we talk a bit more about what's considered normal grieving, which obviously is very different for different people and we all grieve in our own ways, but Joe identifies some of the ways to know if it's gone beyond normal grief and at what point you may want to consider having some additional help to process that. We also talk about what you can do to support people that you love and care about to work through their own grief, what things to say, what things to maybe not say or do, and also just what Joe wishes more people knew about grief and loss. I think it's a really beautiful way to wrap up this topic. And as I said before, if you haven't listened to part one, do that first, because some of the things we discussed do link from that chat. So start there and then head on through. I just think there's so much that I personally took away from this chat that I will most definitely be implementing in my own life as I grieve and as those around me grieve. And, yeah, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. So we'll jump back in. So you've touched on the long-term grief, prolonged grief, but what? how do people know what, what's considered normal grieving and when does it go beyond that normal grief or maybe some ongoing kind of depression or anxiety or how do, you, how do you know what's normal and when you might need to maybe get some help processing that?
1: Yeah. So I think basically the, the short answer is that the intense longings for the deceased or the preoccupation with thoughts of the deceased or around circumstances around the death. So you're just so fixated on this and and you don't move into that life circle, for example, uh-huh. that's when, you know, you start to think this is not great or people around you will probably observe it. You probably won't be able to even reflect on the fact that it's not great. So, mm-hmm. so when the experience of that intenseness doesn't subside over time, you know, if you're having those common you know those really intense grief experiences or reactions for most of the day nearly every day for you know six weeks two months that sort of time period yeah you know that's when there's you know a high level of 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 concern really Uh so you know you're not able to participate in your normal social or occupational or other important areas of functioning you know you can't get back to work or you can't get back to dropping the kids off at school whatever it Mm -hmm. might be um, would be the red flag so the other thing to know is it's only around you know six to ten percent of bereaved individuals experience that often sort of related to pre-existing situational or relational factors Um, so it's not a large percentage of the population, but still, the um, it is extraordinarily debilitating. Mm. Um, yeah, so that's that's sort of how I would answer that. And there's tools that we use to diagnose, you know, prolonged grief disorder, or complicated grief, and we can use those tools. You know, specialist bereavement counsellors would use them all all the time and make sure that we're not that we're not missing anything. You know, that built into the tools are are things like anxiety assessment, depression assessment, PTSD mm-hmm. and yeah. other sort of mental health concerns. So when, when bereavement counsellors are doing their sort of uh, either very formal assessing or more informal assessing, we're, we're always listening out for that um, and whether, you know, whether they, they, a depression and a bereavement is coexisting and trying to be able to sort of tease that apart a little bit. Yeah. To make sure that they're getting the bereavement support they need, but also do they need some extra mental health input or, you know, referral to GP, psychiatrist for some sort mm-hmm. of further exploration. Yeah. The, the dilemma and the challenge for bereavement counsellors is this sort of tension around pathologising grief as a normal human reaction to, you know, the death of a loved one versus the need to recognise the other sort of co-occurring conditions.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned that you, you might have, say, a referral through the hospital to a bereavement counsellor. If Is there a way someone can access that more privately as well? If, say, they didn't have access to those services initially but they're now recognising, they may be listening to this and going, actually, maybe there is actually something I still need to work through and I'd love to work with a bereavement counsellor. How does someone access that?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. So for anyone, I would jump on the Australian Centre for Grief and Bereavement website Mm -hmm. to see just to get us. They've got awesome tools on there, awesome resources, and it's Australia's leading bereavement kind of Mm organisation. So jump on there. In Victoria, they offer counselling through the ACGB Mm -hmm. and throughout New South Wales there's different bereavement organisations sort of scattered throughout the state in terms of the rest of australia i'm really not sure mm-hmm. i would just be googling um, so i did it the other day you know bereavement counselling sunshine coast for example and yeah that's how you know i would navigate it when there's obviously there's eligibility via the mental health care plans and your gps and mm-hmm. psychology if i if bereavement was your prime primary concern i would be looking for a psychologist that specialises in that. Um, They they sometimes don't necessarily have the expertise Mm -hmm. for bereavement. They have other expertise. So that's how I'd be looking at that. The other thing that would be really useful is the carer's gateway. So if you were a carer for someone and you're experiencing, you know, like a pretty complicated grief, carers New South Wales or the carer gateway can also link you in with a counsellor As can, there's a new 1300 number. People wanted to Google grief line. That's a, oh gosh, I can't remember if it's federal or state, but if you Google grief line, they have telephone counselling as well.
0: Oh, wonderful. There are so many resources out there. I think often it is people not knowing where to find them or which way to kind of be directed, but that's so helpful to have those ones.
1: Absolutely. And I think the other thing is I talk to people often And they've, you know, had experiences with counselors previously or psychologists previously, and they've not had great experiences. So they're kind of reluctant. Uh And it's always about the fit, you know, if you're not going to always fit with the person. So you might need to try a couple of times or work out what's the best approach for you. You know, like some people really love face to face and they want face to face. Other people want to do it on the phone or via telehealth, because, you know, that suits them and their life. I think Don't stop if the first time it doesn't work. You know, that's really important.
0: Such a good point.
1: To address. And the other thing around it is making space for grief in whatever way that looks. I was talking to a woman the other day who said, Oh, what do I need to talk to you for? Um, There's nothing wrong with me. And she told me that um, she doesn't need counseling. She's been getting some acupuncture and um, having some relaxation at her you know, natural therapist or whatever. And that's totally fine. Basically, she's acknowledging that she's grieving, but talking therapy isn't for her. So she's found an alternative, which is awesome. And that's often the case. Often Mm -hmm. talking therapy isn't the way for everyone. So whether it's something like that woman, or whether it's music or art or dance, whatever it might be, it's about allowing yourself time to sort of process that loss in whichever way suits you best.
0: Yeah, that's such a good point. So what what can people do to work their way through grief of losing a loved one? I know that's a a massive question in itself, but are there some key things that you help guide people through to assist them with their grief?
1: Yeah, yeah. And we've touched on a few of them already, but I think for me, most importantly, is allowing that expression of feeling and thought, whatever it might be, you know, like be open to it and, and let it out. Don't bottle it up. Don't hold on to it because it's mm-hmm. damaging long term. Um, really give yourself the time and the space to to acknowledge everything you're feeling and thinking. When we are grieving, our innate behaviors and personalities exacerbate in grief. So if you're someone who drinks, you will drink more. If you're a smoker, you will smoke more. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're quiet and introverted, you'll go more into yourself. Loud and talkative, the same, you know, you'll be louder. And, and more talkative. yeah so I guess it's around being gentle on yourself with those personality traits but also you know particularly if you are someone who uses alcohol and drugs just be kind of mindful around mm. your limits and and not damaging yourself you know in the movies there's a tragedy someone dies and the first thing that's done is that the spouse has given you know a tamazepam or something that yeah is so unhelpful. I remember having an argument with a doctor about that, you know, when a when a grieving daughter was really over overcome with, with emotion when her mother died in the hospital and the doc was like, oh I'll just write her up a script. And I was oh, like, gosh. no, we've got to feel the feel. <laughs> oh, yes, so she's got got to be able to
0: process it a little.
1: <laughs> that's right. Yeah, not be zonked. Oh. You know, give yourself time and permission to grieve. Try mm-hmm. not to isolate yourself. That's really hard if, if you're a bit of a loner anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But try not to. But also And also accept the help and support of others. We are terrible in Australia <laughs> for saying yes to offerings of help and support. We need to mm-hmm. be, get better at, at doing that. The other thing that's really important is to, you know, be assertive and tell others what you need. Yeah. Um, Set boundaries is really important. And, and, you know, sometimes part of my role is to say that to people and let them know it's okay to set boundaries around whatever it is they need boundaries set. Don't compare your grief to others. Mm -hmm. Your grief is yours. And, you know, don't let people tell you what you should or shouldn't be doing. That is just awful. Like I was talking to a woman the other day and a partner had died and they'd spent 10 years building this beautiful house on the water and you know, a huge house and one of her friends had said, oh, well, what are you going to do now? Are you going to sell the house and downsize? And, you know, like, um, because you don't need to be living oh. in this giant house anymore. Oh. Yeah, really unhelpful. So yeah. unhelpful for people. And I think being wary of those types of advice givers is really important. Mm-hmm. Like if suggestions of advice givers make sense, give them a try. But if if they don't make sense to you at the time, just leave it. Ign- yeah. yeah. Them.
0: Um, I guess... On, on that, and I think this could be a whole nother, a whole nother episode in itself, but if you are supporting someone who's grieving, are there some really clear, well, I mean, I've got some that come to mind, but what are the obvious kind of do's and don'ts in terms of supporting someone grieving? I know you've talked about obviously just validating the feelings that they're yeah. having. But are yeah. there some other key things? Like I know, I know my grandma, when my grandpa passed away, she would always get frustrated when people would say, Sorry for your loss. Cause she'd say, Well, yeah. I haven't lost him. He died. Let's just say yeah. what it is. He's he's dead. And that's okay. But there's just, I think some people, and it's probably different for different people too. But what are some of the key things that you see come up about how people can be supported?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. And I think again, it's a really hard one because people saying sorry for your loss, they just don't have the words. They don't know yeah. what
0: to
1: do. Um, And so for some reason we have this idea about that's what we say. Uh-huh. You know, like instead of saying whatever, you, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about Jim or you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. So again, yeah, that having confidence to engage with a grieving person is a, just in itself a massive thing and we could spend a whole um, yes. other session on it but I think there's some key things I'll, I'll, I'll read them out because I've got them in front of me so yep. what we call it is companioning and uh-huh. it's something that I wish more people knew about when it comes to grief and loss you know companioning the bereaved it's this work by a guy called Alan Wolfelt, and he has 11 tenants and I'll read you my three top tenants so it's mm-hmm. about being present to another person's pain You know, being aware that you can't take the pain away and being Mm -hmm. okay with that. You know, you need to just listen with your heart and not analyse with your head. You can't fix it. Mm -hmm. What people, how, how supporters can, you know, support the bereaved is about walking alongside rather than leading them. Um, Mm -hmm. and also discovering the gifts of sacred silence and not filling up every moment with words. So being able to sit in silence is just exactly what people need. You know, like we know from the research that the vast majority of the bereaved, they don't want a support group or specialised counselling. They want company in -hmm. their bereavement and a sense of belonging. And they want to be able to sit there and have a cup of tea and not have Esme Watson filling the silence. Um, <laughs> the other one that I really love is around just being curious while you're with that person. Mm. You're sitting with your love, your person, and they say, I don't understand why this has happened. I'm just so confused. Instead of giving an answer and saying, Well, it happened because he was in a motorbike accident and he was going to whatever it might be, so uh-huh. horrendous directive answer say just stop breathe and say what do you mean by that can you tell me what what it is that you're asking you know Mm -hmm. to let them talk about it a little bit more Um, Mm. that's really important but you know being able to acknowledge the fact that we can't fix this and take that person's pain away it's awful it's hard it's awkward and uncomfortable but it is what it is. Mm. And if that was you in that situation, what would you want from that person? Mm. So you know being able to be empathetic in that at that time is really important. say to yourself if i was if I was you know um Joe right now and she's grieving, what would I want her to say to me? You know, and that might not be anything. it might just be a cuddle. it mm. might just be a pat on the hand, you know it might just mm-hmm. be delivered at your door in a knock on the door and someone walking away um, yeah 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 so true I,
0: I don't think we're always great at sitting in that discomfort because as you said it is it's it's really uncomfortable and it can be awkward and it can be hard and sometimes you really don't know how to handle it yeah. and I think the, the more you do it the easier it gets but it, it is yeah being okay sitting with that and letting that silence happen and not yeah not trying to fill it or fix it i just think so often we try fix it and there's all those kind of throwaway comments around oh you know well at least he lived a good life or you know they died doing what they loved or these kind of throwaway things that take away from the actual emotions and feelings that these people are experiencing
1: yeah absolutely absolutely and i think being able to just be present and hold the space is really, really amazing. You know, if you're finding that the silence is getting too long or too <laughs> um, too awkward or tense for you, a lovely way to um, approach that silence would be to say, oh, Nan, tell me about how you and Grandpa met again or, uh-huh. you know what I mean? How, so, so yeah, that reminiscing. Some, yep, absolutely. Instigate some reminiscing or, you know, a bit of a life review or, hey, what was that song that you danced to at your wedding? Mm -hmm. Um, there's there's sort of key questions that you could ask that fills that silence it's you're just being curious in a really compassionate way
0: and Mm -hmm. trying to
1: sort of bring a little bit of joy or pull them back into that life circle that life Mm -hmm. orientation yeah Yeah,
0: which makes sense because it's such a and that storytelling I think is such a powerful component as well being able to honor the person they were by By sharing stories about them and passing, particularly generationally, being able to pass that on to the grandkids and this is what grandpa used to do or this is, yeah, this is how we met. Those kind of stories are beautiful and become, yeah, being able to pass that down I think is a really lovely way to keep them alive as well.
1: Yeah, that legacy totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So if there's there's so much. So this whole conversation is just incredibly interesting and I think I could go on and on and on with this. But if we had to to sum it down to what what do you wish more people knew about grief and loss?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think, you know, it really speaks to the the fact that we need to develop our grief literacy again. You know, Uh we need to be able to connect with people and feel okay with the silences um, and that we can't fix it. But, you know, overall... Grief is normal. We need to Mm. remember that. And it's, you know, we evolved to grieve because it's an adaptive process that assists in the adjustment to loss, change and transition. So, you know, like it it lets us rebuild our world after it's been assaulted or overwhelmed by a a seismic life event like the death of your partner or child or whatever it might be. Mm. And it's normal and although it's painful, being adaptive means that We require the support of our friends and family um, and not often professional intervention and treatment. And I think that that's the thing that we need to be very wary of is that we don't, you know, one of my pet peeves is when there's a tragedy, say at a school, you know, the death of a student or a parent. And the mm-hmm. news report will say, but we've we've got specialist counsellors into the school to support them. <laughs> you know, my dream is that everyone has, you know, death and grief literacy in uh-huh. that community and that that community supports each other at the time without needing to outsource to the specialists in inverted commas. So yeah. Absolutely, there's a place for specialists, but that human connection and building the skills and knowledge for that community is much more important because mm-hmm. there'll be another event down the track, and then people can support themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's those sort of key points is really important to me. But the other, the other thing that I kind of wanted to leave on is the fact that grief never disappears from our life. Uh huh. We have this ability; it's wonderful to incorporate it into our life, and it changes and moves as our life changes. So basically, it's the the truth is that we grow around our grief, which gives it a bit more space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, what a what a beautiful note to end on too. I think yeah. there's just it's such a it's a complex space, but it's also in some ways just so there's something really beautiful about this whole process and supporting people through it as well and i think the more yeah we we have conversations about it and improve our death literacy like you were saying and being able to support others through it more competently i think is just so so important and it's something there's so many other so many other questions and things i would like to pick your brain about but i am conscious of your time as well but Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. It's just been an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Kate. It's been great. If people are interested to, Mm. you know, um, engage more with these types of conversations, Public Health Palliative Care International, you could Google that to have a look at uh, at what that's about. And then Death Literacy Institute, who wrote the Death Literacy Index, is a really great not-for-profit organization doing a lot in the capacity building space as is the groundswell project so people can google those two uh, three things as well
0: amazing thank you so so much for that and thank you for your time
1: oh too easy kate thank you